G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. Well, I was going off to a remote island that had no water, had no electricity. I was just going to work in the community. I felt at that stage that there was things that I would be able to do for them, which after my trip, I found out that they did more for me than what I could ever do for them in a lifetime. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, several years ago, Vicky Marnie took leave from her corporate job and ventured on her first mission trip. God worked in her powerfully, and she says she lost her heart to the people of Vanuatu. Today, she continues to minister in Vanuatu and helps to raise awareness of their needs around the world. Vicky is the Vice President of the International Committee of the World Day of Prayer and joins us today to share her story. She's chatting with Shelley Scowen. Vicky, thanks so much for being part of the story. It's great talking to you, Shelley. Well, take us back to that point before your mission trip to Vanuatu. What did your life look like back then? So nine years ago, I was working um, in the corporate world for one of Queensland's largest financial institutions, and I was pretty dissatisfied with life and the hustle bustle of working in the secular world. Having come to faith um, about 15 years earlier, I'd always wanted to go on a mission trip, and that seed was probably planted from when I was a little girl, and I used to help my grandmother pack away things to send to Fiji during my school holidays. I used to dream about palm trees and faraway places. So I was in church one day and I heard about an upcoming mission trip to Vanuatu and I'd never known where I was going to go or when I was going to go but when I heard about this I thought, that's me, I'm going. So I came home that day and announced to my family who I had put on notice that one day I was going to go on a mission trip that I was off to Vanuatu in a couple of months' time. And my daughter said to me, are you crazy, Mum? You can't take your hairdryer there. They don't have power. (laughs) They don't have electricity. Are you sure you really want to do this? And I said, yes. And then they said, who's going with you? I said, going by myself. Then they went to to my husband, their dad, and said, are you going to let her do this? And he said, yeah, if God's calling her to do that. Why not? And my oldest daughter threw her hands in the air and she said, I don't think you should be doing this. Wow. So what was your expectation of what you were going into then? I'm wondering if it ended up being very accurate here. Well, I was going off to a remote island that had no water, had no electricity. I was going to um, live in the village in a grass hut with a dirt floor. I was just going to work in the community, I felt at that stage that there was things that I would be able to do for them, which after my trip, I found out that they did more for me than what I could ever do for them in a lifetime and certainly lost my heart to the Vanuatu people. And today, I've in the last nine years, I've been 17 times. Wow. And no longer work in that um, corporate environment, 
I work for an overseas um, welfare and aid organisation and I, my specialty is designing and implementing projects into Vanuatu. Wow. So your life really was completely transformed by that very first mission trip. So what did it turn out like? When you arrived there on the ground in Vanuatu, was it what you were thinking that very first time? I guess you, you had some ideas of what it was going to be like. How did it shape up in terms of those expectations? Look, I think all the things that I thought um, were pretty well blown out the window early on and things that I learnt was um, how privileged we are here in Australia and how we take so many things for granted, whether that be health or education that we have available to us, where people in rural Vanuatu have very few basic health things that they can access. So they don't even readily have Panadol available for um, treatment of fevers, many things that we take granted here in our health system. And also education is really important to the Vanuatu people and their young people value their education. So things like that. And I think about being. So when you go somewhere, you just be. You be who you are, you be in the moment and you be with people. Where I think in our society, we're all about doing. What do you do? What job do you do? Where do you go? How big's your house? What's your car? None of those things are important in Vanuatu culture. Mm. There's so much we can learn from them, isn't there? We um, have life probably a little too easy here in Australia and I think it serves us well to look at what people are doing and how they're living their lives all around the world. Yeah, and certainly their faith. Vanuatu people are very godly, um, faith-driven people. They never ask you what you do for a living, but they ask you what church you go to. So to them, that is important. And their faith underpins everything that they do in their culture and in their society. So a very large portion of Vanuatu are Christians? Yes, um, the census says about 95% identify with the Christian faith. And they're very open to you coming and sharing with them as well, which is awesome. When you first went over there, what was your intent in going? What was your purpose? There was a group of about 10 of us that went to a school in a remote area on the island of Pentecost. We were going to um, work in the school, teach conversational English and do some support teacher training. So that was that was the purpose of it. Then what grew out of that was pretty amazing. We went there and we were teaching English, but how do you teach English in a school that has no books? So born out of that, we ended up shipping one tonne of library books and set up a library in the school. Yeah, that's great. So you really ended up having quite a profound impact on the students in many ways rather than just what you originally set out for. Yes, absolutely. And still have those lifelong relationships that are built. Nine years on, I've seen many of those kids grow up, yes. um, become parents themselves, um, go on to further education, um, which is a real joy to have that relationship and also with the teachers through that time. Well, these days you are the International Committee Vice President of the World Day of Prayer. For those not familiar with World Day of Prayer, can you tell us uh, what this incredible movement is and what you guys do? So World Day of Prayer is an international movement. It's a movement initiated and carried out by women in more than 170 countries and regions. 
and it's symbolised by the annual day, um, a celebration, the first Friday in March, to which all people are welcome. And it's a movement which brings together women of various races, cultures and traditions in closer fellowship, understanding and action throughout the year. Through World Day Prayer, women are encouraged to become aware of the whole world and no longer live in isolation, mm. uh, to be enriched by the faith experience of Christians of other countries and cultures and to take up the burdens of other people and pray with and for them and to become aware of their talents and use them in the service of their society. Yeah, it's such a great way to unite Christian women all around the world for this World Day of Prayer. As you say, though, you know, a lot of things happen throughout the year as well. It's not just about that one day. A lot of work goes into planning for these days, and that's where you've really been involved in Vanuatu. Tell us about the work that you've done with the ladies on the ground there in Vanuatu. So um, going from that corporate job, um, my love of Vanuatu led me in working for Overseas Welfare and Aid Organisation and I was asked to represent them on the World Day of Prayer Committee here in Queensland. And through that involvement, um, I went to the international um, conference in Brazil in 2018 and I learnt that Vanuatu was chosen for 2021. But unfortunately, communications um, had broken down and they were going to be removed from the list of countries. And I said, no, 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 I think I can fix this. So then I went off on my journey to re-establish communications with the World Day of Prayer Committee in Vanuatu. So I have been working with them since 2019 to develop the service because it needs to be an expression of the Vanuatu women, gives them an opportunity for leadership um, to develop their skills in developing this service that is then distributed to 170 countries around the world and translated into over 100 languages. So I spent a couple of weeks in Vanuatu working with the committee, putting together the service, the music, the children's program. So it's an expression of Christianity in the way that the Vanuatu people celebrate their faith. You said that you've been to Vanuatu 17 times in the last nine years, which is a very impressive effort, I've got to say. What are some of the times that have really stood out to you the most? Like your your biggest, I guess, most powerful memories of your times in Vanuatu? Look, I'd have to say um, my trip after Cyclone Pam in 2015, which devastated parts of Vanuatu. Um, I was on the ground four weeks after the cyclone went through, went to the island of Tanna where there was not one tree left standing, there wasn't a blade of grass on the ground, all the houses had been washed away. And just to see the resilience of the people come back from that and to be able to deliver some food aid um, to remote villages where there had been reports of a father killing his young children because he didn't want to see them starve to death because they had no food. And to be able to make that situation um, for that village more positive moving into the future that knew that they did have some food um, until their crops grew was um, really rewarding and one of those things where you really can make a difference in the world in which you live. And one person can make a difference. And if each one of us do our little bit together, we can make a big difference. So that's probably one of the most powerful memories I have. 
And probably the other thing about visiting Manawatri, I mostly don't go alone. I take teams of people and young people. And the difference that it makes in their lives... I was halfway through my life when I experienced this, this change, this impact that the Vanuatu people have made on me. And if young people can experience that at the beginning of their life, the difference that it makes in their Christian walk and their faith is immeasurable. And there's one story that stands out about that. When I come back from my trips, I often speak in churches about my experience and the team's experience. One morning we were speaking in a church, and I'd have to say it was one of those mornings I was a bit tired maybe wanted to sleep in, but I got out of bed and did what I had to do. A year later, a young woman came on the next trip with me and she said, I have to tell you about my testimony. I sat in church a year ago when you spoke about the last trip and I was sitting there and I was planning to go home and commit suicide. But you spoke about how you were accepted and the love of Jesus and how these people just love you for who you are. And she said, I wanted to experience that. So I decided to put away that plan and come on this trip this year. And I'm happy to say that a few years on, this um, beautiful young woman um, is thriving, beautiful, faith-driven Christian woman. Isn't that interesting, the impact um, that these lovely people from Vanuatu have had on you guys. I mean, as you said, it's you who go with the intention of blessing them, but I reckon they probably bless you even more. Oh, absolutely. And anybody that has ever visited with me, our lives have changed forever. And I think it's because our lives, when we visit there, are stripped back to the rawness and all the stuff that we um, stuff into our lives is removed when we're in that environment. So we have to rely on God because it's so very, very different to what we have here. We're normally in a group with we don't know too many people or don't know them deeply. So it really is our relationship with God um, in this foreign environment with no power, no water, no proper sewage system. It's hot, there's mozzies. We might be sliding around in the jungle walking somewhere and it just strips away everything. So it's just you and God. And then what that, how that relationship develops in that environment is just amazing. Yeah, it's just incredible stuff and life-changing, I think, on all counts. The difference that you are able to make over there and uh, then the stories that you're able to share with us around the world as well. Vicky Marnie, thanks so much for telling us your story today. Thanks, Shelley, for having me. It's great to be able to talk about what I'm passionate about, which is the Vanuatu people and World Day Prayer. You're listening to The Story. That was Shelley Scowen chatting with Vicky Marnie, who left her comfortable corporate position to minister to people in Vanuatu. Also, Vicky is the Vice President of the International Committee of the World Day of Prayer. To learn more, their website is worlddayofprayeraustralia.org. That's worlddayofprayeraustralia.org. Well, next, we're going to turn our focus to another part of the world as Eric Scadabo chats with a friend of his in the United States who shares the story about the time he and his wife were stranded in India. All that and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. 
Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Well, before the break, we heard from Vicky Marnie about her ministry work in Vanuatu. Next, Eric Scadabo and his wife Jean chat with their good friend Brian Cluth in the United States. He's going to share about his ministry and about the time he and his wife were briefly stranded in India. We're speaking with our globetrotting friend Brian Cluth. He's an author and pastor. And let's talk about some of your globetrotting. Where have you been? Oh, boy, a good question. I've been in probably 30-some countries around the world. Wow. So, wow. Uh, I've been to Asia, different places in Asia, a variety of places in Africa, uh, Russia, uh, throughout Europe, uh, South America. Uh, so I've had the opportunities to get to a whole variety of countries and, and, and meet a whole lot of people from around the world. Excellent. And where have you been most recently? Uh, most recently, I was in the UK. Uh, I was in London uh, for several days with my wife, and I was also over in Bristol, England, mm. uh, visiting a good friend of mine who's actually the chaplain to the Queen of England. Oh, wow. And, wow. Uh, he's, he's from India, but we've been friends for probably 20 years now. Wow. And just, uh, last year, he was invited to become the chaplain to the Queen. Well, you, that's yeah. very impressive. Um, yeah, it was fun to be with him, wow. and he's a delightful individual. And uh, he is also the president of a seminary there, and so I had a chance to uh, to speak there. And then I went down to uh, took the flight down to Cape Town, South Africa. Oh wow! And I used to think that Colorado Springs was the most beautiful city in all the world, but mm. uh, Cape Town, South Africa, is definitely another another beautiful location. Is it? Oh, okay. And and I was there for a number of weeks, and just uh, I, I, and I'm ready to go back. I thought it was going to be a once in a lifetime trip. Yeah, it's a long ways away, mm. but uh, it was uh, just a tr- tremendous time uh, with the people there, and we saw some wonderful things happening. And so I hope to hope to go back to Cape Town again. Oh. Now you mentioned a friend from India. It brings to mind that you have an, a daughter, an adopted daughter from India. Is we, that right? We have an adopted daughter from India. We call her our Indian princess. <laughs> uh, she's, she's gorgeous. Uh, my wife went to Delhi, India when she was and uh, was able to pick her up. We were able to arrange the adoption. Yep, I remember so, that. Yep, and so when she was uh, nine months old, we yes. brought her back, and she's now uh, just turned 12, and wow. she's just a beautiful young woman, and mm is doing so well in life and school and in friendship and in sports. So that's, uh, I'm just so proud of her. You were our pastor there in Milwaukee for several years, and I remember several sermons of yours, but I vaguely remember that you had an experience, I believe it was in India, where you were in a town that you didn't have any idea where any churches were. Correct. And you had to find it. What, what was that story? Oh, it was an amazing story in that uh, we uh, got to Delhi, India, uh, after being gone for six weeks of travel, my wife and I. We'd been married a few years, didn't have children at the time, and uh, we had, uh, we, we were basically, at that time we didn't even have credit cards, we just had the, the money in our pockets, and we go to fly back to the U.S. from Delhi, and they tell us the plane is canceled. Oh, dear. Uh, the plane's going to be canceled, and it will not fly for another three days. Oh, my. So we had enough money only for one night's hotel. Oh. And so uh, we prayed, and we said, Lord, <laughs> help us. Wow. Uh, you know, we don't know anybody in Delhi. Mm. We don't know have anybody to call. But all I knew was there was a church somewhere in Delhi. And Delhi is millions of people. It's right. a very big city. 
And, and I said, all I know is that there's a church called Delhi Bible Fellowship somewhere in Delhi. Mm. So anyway, so that night we, we, you know, we just went and got a hotel. We, we, and we uh, went got a hotel, and it was a nice hotel. Uh, and uh, so we were in the hotel, and I looked up in the phone book, you know, where is this Delhi Bible Fellowship? And it turns out that that church met in the hotel we were staying in. Wow. <laughs> in, the, in the banquet, like the banquet room. Oh, and so no. to go to church the next morning, all we had to do was go down the elevator Ew. and step out, and, and there we were in oh. the church. Oh, amazing. Uh, and so we went, went to the church, and uh, somebody afterwards said, well, now, where are you from? And we told them, and they said, well, how long are you here? And we said, well, three days. And they said, where are you staying? And then we said, we have no idea. Wow. <laughs> because our money was now gone. Yeah. And uh, they uh, uh, they said, well, why don't you come home with us? Oh, wow. And wow. so this uh, it was actually a Canadian couple oh. uh, took us took us into their home. Uh, they actually uh, gave us some money to go down and see the Taj Mahal. Oh, wow. uh, five five cents to get into the Taj Mahal at that time. Huh. <laughs> five cents uh, American. <laughs> uh, and we went down to the Taj Mahal and had a wonderful time and uh, and came home. Uh, but we saw God mm. answer some very real prayer yeah. on that particular trip. What uh, a God moment. It was a God moment. Oh, one one you never it. forget in life. That's right. So you just picked a hotel out of the phone book? You had no idea? We, we just picked a hotel. We just, you know, said, how much money do we have? Uh, and we, we didn't want to, you know, uh, India is a, a beautiful place, but it can be an unusual place also. Mm. And so we did go to a more of a western style hotel. Yeah. And we had enough money for one night's one night stay and wow. and we we you know, we didn't know what was going to happen next, but uh we we definitely saw God provide oh, for us. That is that's beautiful. And of course, the ironic thing about all of this is that the reason why Brian Cluth is traveling around the world is to talk about how God will supply your needs. <laughs> <laughs> and I have lots and lots of stories Sorry. on how that happens. <laughs> so let, let's move to this topic. You are an international speaker and author, and you kind of talk about how the Bible is your guide to finances. Is that more or less your topic? Yeah, that is that is the topic. And, uh, you know, and it's one that I, I never, ever, ever understood until I was in my 20s. Uh, you know, I grew up, you know, going to a church, but it didn't really mean anything, and God wasn't real to me in any tangible way outside of just kind of going through the religious rituals and the religious activities. Uh, but then when I was uh, 21, I, I really came to understand who Jesus was mm-hmm. and what, uh, that he wanted to be real in my life, and that was a whole new concept to me. But uh, anyway, I, I came to a place and really surrendered my life to Jesus, and that began a journey. And part of that journey was, growing up, I was a liar, and I was a thief, and I would steal, and, mm. and I did so many bad things. But uh, after I came to, to become a Christian, to know who Jesus was and to know him in my life, one of the things I realized was, well, gee, I don't think it's probably a good idea to be lying and stealing and cheating anymore, and... And uh, I found out that the Bible, uh, there was a friend of mine who went through the, from the front of the cover to the back cover, and he marked every single verse, wrote, underlined it, uh, with talking, what does the Bible say about money and finances and so forth? And there were actually 2,350 verses in the Bible mm-hmm. that helps people understand how they're to live. Uh, I like to call the Bible, you know, the B-I-B-L-E, 
basic instructions before leaving earth. Right, that's right, right. The Bible stands for uh-huh. basic instructions before leaving earth. And so, so in my 20s, I began to look up those verses, and I began to understand what God teaches on finances and, and how he provides for people and guides people. And my life became just radically changed uh, as I came to understand who God was and how he takes care of his children. And, uh, and so over the years, I've had the chance to literally go around the world and share that uh, with people all over the world and people from all kinds of different economic backgrounds, from the very, very wealthy to people making $10, $20 you know, U.S. per month. Uh, but the truth is the same, no matter where someone lives or what culture they're in. Um, so that's been a very exciting journey to be able to do that for people. Mm-hmm. Well, we could kind of sum up some of the basic themes of your speaking, is that if you give to the Lord, He will supply your needs, and He will meet your needs, just like He did when you were you know, short of money in New Delhi. Yeah, and where some people go wrong, though, is they think God is supposed to supply their greeds, mm. not ah, their needs. Right, right, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so there's sometimes there's Christian teaching out there which kind of has a give-to-get mentality. Mm-hmm. Right. But I really believe you, you learn to give, even if you have very little, uh, because it, when, I, when I was struggling and I didn't have a lot of money, when you learn to be a generous person, you take the, even the little you have and you thank God for what you have, and you share that, you share what you've been given with others, you, you feel rich in your heart. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I said it like this to somebody once, if you're a pauper and you learn to give, you'll feel like a prince. Hmm. But if you're a prince and you don't learn to be generous, you don't learn to give, you will always feel like a pauper. Hmm. And so in my own life, you know, just learning, whether I had very little or much, learning to be generous with whatever God has put into my hands, and always then believing that God would meet my needs, which the Bible says is food and clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. uh, and uh, there's others that would teach many other, other things. He, he's going to provide all kinds of amazing things. And I'm not necessarily seeing that as true, but I have seen him again and again and again meet one's needs yeah. like in that story in india right our right. need actually that day was was for shelter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and someone took us in you know and uh and that was an amazing part of that story that was eric and Jean scadabo chatting with their globetrotting friend brian cluth who was in the United States at the time of that conversation. As a matter of fact, since that was recorded, Brian has come to Australia several times sharing about the joy of giving at various churches and organisations. As it says in the Bible, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And as Brian just shared, if you are generous with whatever amount that you have, you will be cheerful and feel rich in your heart. To learn more about Brian's ministry on giving and biblical finances, his website is briancluth.com. Dot org. That's Brian Cluth, K-L-U-T-H dot org. Well, thanks for joining us for two stories today. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. There were times where, you know, I was truly asking, you know, God, what are you doing? And he kept putting this verse on my heart. It was Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything, but in all your needs, ask God. And that verse kept coming up, and finally I just said, God, you've got to be kidding. (laughs) Don't worry. I go, I want a different verse. I don't like this one. (laughs) 
Dave Hampson's wife had just reached the five-year mark of being cancer-free when they found their daughter on the floor of her room and unable to move. David thought that his family was finally done with major health challenges when suddenly they were facing another one. Dave will share what happened next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 